my son. You are my daughter whom I love. So many of us are missing that. That love, that affirmation, that word. Even if we had the best parents ever, I guarantee you they could not speak to you like God spoke to Jesus. And we long for that sometimes. And so God speaks to him, you are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. Jesus is ready for his ministry. He goes out in the wilderness. He's confronted by Satan. And like we said, he goes forth into Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God. Final, last thing about this baptism. This one's short. In his baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit rests on Jesus. Do you see what happened? Um, the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And so, for one, we see in this baptism the fullness of God. And we can't unpack this, but you see, um, you see Jesus, the Son of God. You see the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. You hear God the Father speaking and affirming his Son, Jesus. This is the Trinity packed into this story here. And what this means, if the Holy Spirit has descended upon Jesus... We have to look at his life and look at his ministry and look at his healing and his teaching and look at his obedience, obedience even to the point of death on a cross, and say, Jesus did this in the power of the Holy Spirit. That God was with him through the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so what Jesus is doing, even dying on the cross, is a work of the Holy Spirit in him. So, what are we going to take away from this? Um, quickly. One, in baptism, as we said, Jesus is identifying with us. But, he has changed baptism now. So Jesus has identified with us. But when we're baptized... When we have faith and believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we are now identified with Him. He is identified with us so that we could be identified with Him. You might consider it like switching teams. We're now on the Jesus team. We're no longer sons and daughters of sinful Adam. We're sons and daughters of Christ, of God. Gary had this great illustration, I'm going to copy him, but he was talking about a church that he read about, and I think it's in Australia, and their baptismal font was right here in the middle of the aisle instead of up front here, and you know what it was shaped like? A coffin. And so where you were baptized, you stepped into this coffin, and you were literally drowned and raised to new life. The old you, the sinful you, is now dead in the waters of baptism and raised to new life in Jesus Christ. We are identified with Jesus. We're no longer sons and daughters of Adam, but of Jesus. We are no longer clothed in sin-stained sin garments. We are washed through the waters of baptism in the blood of the Lamb. We're no longer seen in our wickedness, but instead we are seen clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When we are baptized, when we have faith, this, you can't neglect that. Faith is, is essential. 
and we affirm that faith, or we affirm faith given to us in baptism, when we have that, we are fully identified as Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ. And because of that, we become children of God, okay? So Jesus hears these words from God at his baptism. You are my son, with you I am well pleased. Now listen to this, and this is amazing. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, when we have received his death on the cross, when we have received his resurrection, God, friends, look at me, God is looking at each one of us who knows Jesus Christ, and he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you, and I'm proud of you, not because of anything you've done, you can't make God proud of you. He loves you because he created you, and he loves you because his son Jesus died for you. And you might be his children. And so all of those words that we have failed to hear, those words of affirmation, those words of love, even the ones that we've heard that have, not, that have fallen short, those fall away when we hear the word of God to us. That we're his children and he loves us. Because of Jesus. Because we're identified now with him. And then finally, those who believe, those who have been baptized, those who know Jesus have received the Holy Spirit. Right? He received the Holy Spirit in his baptism. And we receive that very same Holy Spirit. He descends on us. He dwells within us. He calls us together to be the body of Christ, the church, so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus who is now risen and sits at the right hand of God. Friends, we are Christ to this world. And we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts, that dwells on us and empowers us. Are we perfect? No. Do we mess up? Yes, but we are brought together as imperfect people to proclaim grace and mercy and love. That's our goal. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and everything we do, that we might be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs him. And so it's my prayer then that you will know the power of this baptism, that you will know the power of Christ in you, the power of the Holy Spirit on you and the love of God who loves you in the same way he loves his son, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you're so gracious and loving. Love us so much that you would die, send your son to die for us that we might have eternal life. Not only that, you've given us your Holy Spirit that we might serve you, proclaim your gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to do that faithfully and lovingly. That you would touch our hearts, Lord, and continue to make us more and more into your children. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at the baptism of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, we're in Mark chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. Mark 1, 4 to 11. I love it when you follow along, if you are able. Um, and we're really actually going to focus on verses 9 to 11. And I've always wondered about this reading. I mean, there's a couple of, of confusing readings. There's this one where Jesus is getting baptized that we're going to talk about. There's the one where um, 
in Acts that we read today where folks have received one baptism but not this other baptism. And so there's this, all these things going on, and we're going to talk about that this morning. What is the significance of Jesus' baptism? How did Jesus change um, the baptism that John the Baptist was doing and the one that Apollos was doing? How did he change that, and what does that mean for us today? Um, and we're going to look at it um, basically focusing on Mark, but I, I hope to at least clarify some about what was going on in Acts. One thing I want us to note, first of all, about what is happening in this passage. Um, this is Jesus, um, if you will, presentation of his ministry. Um, the interesting thing is the only people who are witnessing this presentation are John and Jesus, there are people on the banks of the Jordan for sure, but I'm guessing, in fact, I'm pretty sure, Mark doesn't mention it, that they don't see what is happening when the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. I think that was something that Jesus saw, and I think it was something that John saw. But Jesus, nevertheless, is being presented to us as the Son of God. This is not where He becomes the Son of God. This is not where God chooses him to be the Messiah. No, this is Jesus, Son of God, Lord at his birth. Remember we sang just a few short weeks ago, is being baptized and presented and initiated into his ministry. He will immediately go out in the wilderness to pray and be tempted by Satan, and then immediately after that begin his ministry in Galilee, proclaiming the kingdom of God and calling his disciples together. So this is the declaration of who Jesus is. This is Jesus, God saying to Jesus, now is the time. And so, <clears throat> I want to talk, uh, look at, th make three observations about this baptism. The first one is that in his baptism, Jesus, God, is fully identifying with us, sinful, broken people. A question I, I long had, and, and I think... It's a valid question, and kind of a tricky question is this. Why did Jesus need to get baptized? Right? I mean, John's out there in the wilderness, and Mark says that John is proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the way this would work is you would venture out to the Jordan River, and you would repent. You would confess all your sins. Now, traditionally, this was just for Gentiles, for people who weren't Jews. This would, is one way that they were brought into the Jewish religion. And so they were confessing the fact that they were unclean, that they were sinful people, and, and being brought into God's people. Now John's message is, this is for everyone. And he's saying it specifically to Israel, to the Jews. And he's saying, you must be baptized. You've got to prepare the way for the Messiah who is coming. This isn't just for Gentiles anymore. This is for you. But it was still a baptism of repentance. And so Israelites would come out to the Jordan and they confess their sins. They'd spill their guts to John or his disciples and, and list the things that they were doing wrong. And then they would be washed in the water. Cleansed from sin. Prepared for the coming Messiah. The thing about John's baptism is it didn't last. It didn't take those Israelites long to start sinning again. Just like you and I, you're going to walk out this door, and I guarantee you, half of you, I give you five minutes before you sin again. 
It's the same for them. And so, Jesus comes, and we know Jesus, right? Mark tells us right in the first sentence, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Why on earth would the Son of God need to be baptized? He didn't have any sins to confess. He didn't need to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was the Messiah. What is going on? There's something we need to remember about Jesus and our salvation. And it goes something like this. Irenaeus of Lyon um, was a second century Christian. He would uh, be a great father, a great thinker of the church. And so this is thousands of years ago. He said this. Um, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit. But just a great, very dense quote. He said, that which he, so that which Jesus has not assumed, he has not healed What Jesus has not assumed, he has not healed. And basically what he's saying, guys, is if Jesus does not become fully one of us, he cannot save us. If God does not become fully man, and so there's speculation about how this all works, and some people will say, well, Jesus was God in a body. He didn't really do human things or have the same experiences we did. He had God's sort of spirit, but he was just in a body. I'll tell you, friends, that Jesus cannot save you. He has to become fully man. If he is going to die and accept the penalty that we as men and women deserve, he has to be human all the way. There's no holding back. Jesus Christ is all in, friends. And so everything you have ever experienced, Jesus has experienced it times a million. So your greatest joys, Jesus He knew joy. He knew happiness. He knew love. Your greatest sorrows. The most horrifying evil. The worst illness. Jesus knows what you're going through, friends. Think about it. He's the Son of God. He knows the glory of God, the fullness of God. And and He came down onto this broken world. He knows what it could be, and yet he's with us. You think he doesn't know your suffering and your pain? He's been there. He knows your wildest and most awful and hardest temptations. He's had them. It was harder, actually, for Jesus. Temptation, we talk about how hard it is and how hard it is. Um, to resist it, and eventually we succumb to it. Jesus never succumbed to it. It was much harder for him. It's easy for us because we do it anyway. But not for Jesus. He knows what it's like. He's become fully man, and part of that is, is doing what we were doing, and so venturing out into the wilderness with the Israelites and submitting himself to John's baptism. John, the one who says, I'm not worthy enough to untie his sandals. And yet Jesus says, John, baptize me. He's fully man. And so Jesus heads down to that dirty Jordan River to be baptized. So he can fully identify with us so that he could save us. Second, in his baptism, Jesus is revealed to us as the Son of God. So he heads off uh, to the Jordan River to get baptized um, and really, to everyone else, it just seems like any other guy. 
and he walks into that dirty Jordan River, and John, he puts him under the water. Think, um, well, if you've been to Alpha, you've seen perhaps a baptism in the river out at St. Christopher on our Alpha Overnight. Um, it's something like that. Or if you haven't witnessed that, maybe you've seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And they go down to the river, down to the river to pray, and they get baptized there in the river. This would be very much like that. Jesus, he's baptized. He's, he's dunked under the water. The old sinful man is put to death, although that didn't exist in Jesus. And, and he's raised up out of the water. And at that moment, Mark says, the heavens were torn open. Can you imagine what that would have looked like? The heavens torn open. And the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And the voice of God, those sweet words, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What an amazingly intimate moment. And to think that all those hundreds of people couldn't see it. Just Jesus and John. What affirmation what confidence Jesus must have carried out into the desert where he met Satan. I think some of us, um, I know I do sometimes, I, I long for that word. 